Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Well, for sure, um, we're living in the last of the last days. I've noticed people, uh, ministers that I've known for years, and they're all starting to preach the message uh, that we're in the last of the last days. We've been saying it for a while. And it's uh, and somebody may say, well, hey, you know, um, how can you say that? Uh, you know, because the Spanish flu and what happened in Europe and all the wars, they were pretty major. And, you know, I'm sure people said back then, hey, this is the last days. But here's the big difference between then and now. This is like, it's really different. Um, and I even wrote it down. The main difference now is that we are nearing the end of an age. The allocated time for the church age, which is around the 2,000 year bracket, and if, and, and if you study, you'll see that, and I've showed it before. So we're ending the end of the church age, and that means we're coming to an end of an age. And so um, that comforts me. So even though things are crazy out there, we can be comforted. The Bible says, look up, your redemption draws nigh. You know, so on God's calendar, the next thing that's going to happen, you know, well, there's going to be some things, but our, for us, the big thing is the rapture, you know, and then there'll be seven years and I'm pre-trib. So I know maybe some of you are, are different in that, but I'm a pre-tribber. So then we got our seven years of tribulation and then we have the second return, Jesus coming back, you know, and uh, then we have a thousand year millennial, you know, and so that, that it's, we're getting close, but so we have a limited amount of time on the earth to do our mission. And so I was even noticing with Jesus, uh, he prayed more intensely near the end of his time on the earth when he was getting close to the cross. And of course it all, it, it kind of climaxed in the garden. He prayed so intently that he sweat blood. And so, um, he was, uh, Jesus said more about prayer and gave more instruction on prayer than anyone. And so I'm thinking, hey, we're coming near the end of an age and the church, we need to just really understand more about prayer because it, it is a time that we should be uh, fruitful in our prayers. So here's the scripture, John chapter 15 and verse five. It said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we want to just look at this today. But the vine, that's where the life is, okay? The branches, that's us. We need the vine, okay? And so Jesus is saying that I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he's also saying we're dependent on him. And without him, we can't do anything. And I should say of a spiritual nature, of a spiritual nature. Because the world has been going for a long time. I mean, people uh, study hard. They work hard, they achieve, they get jobs, they make money. And you can do, the world does that. I mean, there's atheists that do that. They have nothing to do with God and they achieve. There's billionaires, you know, there's intelligent. Well, recently, you know, you, you ever heard of Jordan Peterson, originally from Canada? A brilliant man, but recently he's accepted Jesus as Lord. Awesome. See, the brilliant people that he has a huge audience, but he, it, it was almost like it happened while well, he was talking to people for all of us to see. So Jordan Peterson, uh, but see, there's people that can get really far. Jordan Peterson was a guy that could convince people of truth, even though he wasn't a Christian. He achieved quite a bit, but now he realized he needs a savior. 
And so there's, the world keeps going and they keep achieving, but I'm talking about things of a spiritual nature, you know? And so this is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about bearing fruit and he's talking about that in the realm of the spirit, something that has to, it's for the kingdom, for the mission that we're on, okay? So he said, um, whoever abides. So this word abide, it's a primary verb. And here's just, uh, it, it means to stay in a given place, state, or relation. Abide, continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, tarry. So, I mean, I, I think you see what it's saying. So when he says to abide in me, you know, he's saying like, stay, don't, don't go away, stay with me. You know, and then we're going to look at more because we're going to look at four verses as we get on. But just based on what we're looking at, today what I'd like to talk about is the power of abiding. The power of abiding. And so let's look at these four verses and look at the context that we're in, and then we'll go on. But John, starting back at verse 4, John 15, 4, says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Then we jump down to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So today, what we're going to look at, we're going to, here's our roadmap. We're going to talk about what kind of fruit is he talking about, Bible accounts of prayer results, the place we are praying from us, what place are we praying from, and then three things concerning his words abiding us, three things that help us that his words would abide in us. So let's just start and let's talk about like what kind of fruit is he talking about? You find that the answer is in verse 7. I'm letting the word answer this, not me. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He's talking about prayer fruit. When he talks about bearing much fruit, he is talking about prayer fruit. And so what we really see here as Jesus, the Father God, God, really puts a high value on us, you know, uh, having answers to our prayers. That's another way to say it. We could say bearing fruit in prayer, but like, let's just say he wants us to pray and he wants to answer us. It, that's what that scripture is saying, isn't it? It says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, I know that if you're really in the word and studying the word and we're rightly dividing the word, I know that we wouldn't ask something ridiculous. And I've shared this before, I, and Patsy reminded me the number. It was even worse than I thought. But years ago when I was living in Oklahoma, I heard a story about this guy in Texas, and he said, I'm going to pray and believe God for 10 million oil wells. And so the minister said, like, do you have a scripture for that? And, you know, and he said, no. He said, that's ridiculous. You're not going to get 10 million oil wells. Like, the Bible, if you stay in the word, you'll, God will give you promises and he'll give direction on what to pray for, but that's just like really out in left field. And so when he says, uh, ask whatever you wish, I'm sure he's talking about things that he promises, things that are in line with the word, okay? So he gives like two qualifiers for answered prayer. 
number one, he said, abide in me. And number two, allow my words to abide in you. So we're abiding in him and we're allowing his words to abide in us. Then he makes this bold statement and he says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. That's bold. Okay. Then he gets even equally as bold in verse eight. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you shall bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So he's connecting our success or the fact that we pray and get answers. He's saying that glorifies God. So God is glorified when we pray and we have an answer. There's a lot of things out there that, that, you know, there's, I mentioned a few weeks ago that there's enemies of the divine healing. What we see in the Bible, there's enemies of divine healing. People always trying to say what God doesn't do. When you say that God is good and we see healing in the word and then somebody says that really doesn't mean that. In the same way, there's enemies out there even about prayer. When the Lord Jesus himself, who said more about prayer than anyone else, he said, if you ask that you're going to have it. But then there's people, well, that doesn't really mean that. That really does mean that. I don't think Jesus would have said it if it doesn't mean that. So we're going to be looking into this today. Um, so let's just go on and let's, let's talk about some of these things. So like, let's look at Bible. Here's some Bible accounts of prayer results. And uh, this is like, we're going to go back to the Old Testament, and then we're going to look at one in the New. But these are people that prayed in the Old Testament. And this is like, um, we're going to talk about when they prayed, what place they prayed from. Not, we're not going to spend a lot of time here. But look at this. Job, uh, he prayed from a place of fear. And there's the scriptures there. Saul, he prayed from a, a selfish place. Ezra sincerely prayed for direction. Moses sincerely prayed for direction. Esther prayed for the deliverance of the Jews. These were heartfelt, sincere prayers. Nehemiah prayed for the needs of others, heartfelt. Now let's look at the results. Job prayed from a place of fear, no answer. Saul prayed, prayed from a selfish place, no answer. Ezra prayed from a, for direction, sincerely, heartfelt, prayer answered. Moses uh, prayed for direction, sincerely, heartfelt, prayer answered. Esther prayed for deliverance of the Jews, heartfelt, sincere, prayer answered. Nehemiah prayed for the needs of others, prayer answered. You see, what place we pray from makes a difference. Uh, and you notice the ones that, uh, if you pray out of a place of fear or selfishness or a wrong motive, it doesn't bring an answer. Now, let's just look at Jesus. I kind of skipped over that if you go back to those ones there. And look at Jesus. He, he uh, in the New Testament, he prayed from a place of abiding. And there's too many scriptures to put on there. But then look at, look at the New Testament example. Jesus, he prayed from a place of abiding. Every prayer was answered. Jesus had every prayer answered. Even in the garden, because he said he wanted to see if the cup could pass from him, but he said, not my will, but yours. And it was God's will that he died for us. And so every prayer that he prayed was answered. Okay. So Jesus, we can say he was in relationship with the Father. And also the words, the Father's words, they were abiding in him. All right. 
we could say this too, the word of God was alive and real to him. When the word abides in us, it's alive and it's real. So with that said, let's ask this question for all of us. If we're going to examine ourselves right now, what place are we praying from? I'm asking myself, you can ask yourself, what place are you praying from? So is it a hurried place? Is it a distracted place? Is it a divided interest place? Is it a place of fear? Is it a selfish place? Is it a place of wondering? Is it a place of doubt? And see, these are all different places we can pray from. But Jesus said, when you pray from an abiding place, you'll ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. So I don't know about you, but I kind of like answers to prayer. So I would rather pray from a place of abiding. So we're going to look at it more closely today. Uh, and it, but as we do, I'm going to go to this story. And the reason I'm going to, I've told this story before, but I'm going to kind of like, you know, look at places that I didn't spend as much time on with this story. But I, I want to say before I talk about the story, I have prayed from hurried places. I have prayed from a divided interest place. I have prayed from a place of fear. That's how I come up with some of these things is I, I have, by experience, I've done it. But I want to tell you about an event that happened. It was in 1993. It was like the eye-opener for me. It happened in Sicily. We were in Sicily, and we were pioneering a Bible school in Sicily in 1993. And I've referred to this other times. But our daughter, she was around uh, eight months old at that time, and she had a high fever. And it was like on, uh, it's like three days into the fever, and it wasn't getting any better. And I was walking around, and I was just saying things because I taught a lot on faith and healing, so my brain had the knowledge of it. So I was walking around, and I was speaking. And see, when Jesus talks about abiding, he's talking about us praying from our spirits. But you can also pray from your head. And I'm going to try to do my best to show the difference in what that's all about today. But I was just walking around, and I was just saying, she's our healed child of the Lord, you know, and I was just making, it, if you were just listening to me, I've said that before, it would sound good, very positive, sounding like it was the word. But see, my life right then, I was studying a brand new subject out for our Bible school that I never taught before, 15 classes. Anyone that has done that kind of thing, you know that if you're going to get 15 classes, you got to start at the first class and you got to build. So you got to get the first block and then the second. And it's like a lot of work to do a class. You got to have to put it all in order. So I'm putting all my time into that. And she has this fever and I'm just going to my head. She's our healed child of the Lord. It wasn't coming out of the heart. And so nothing changed. As a matter of fact, the fever seemed to be getting worse. And so uh, I told my wife, uh, I said, you sleep. Because she kept us up plenty for a couple days. And I said, you sleep. I'm going to go and I'm going to get her. And I said, I'm not coming back. To, I, I said, I'm not coming back to bed until she's he healed. I don't care if I have to stand, stay up all night. That, that was like my commitment. So let's just take a little thought about commitment and even desperate. Because if you look in the Bible, when people were desperate, they really went after Jesus. And there's something about when you really need something and you're desperate. And, and all of us, I know, have gone after him during those times. And then if we get what we need, isn't it easy to go back into 
more like neutral. And I, I say that from experience too. All right. But it's like when people are really desperate, they go after and they make a commitment. My commitment was I'm going to pray until my daughter's healed. Or I don't care if I stay up all night. That's where I was at. All right. And so here's, here's um, what happened. I just took her in my arms. She's all hot, squirming around. But I had two scriptures, and I began to, what I like to say, squeeze everything out that you can milk the scriptures, like when you, if you ever milked a cow. Uh, you know. And, and so I was just walking around, and I was saying, and I only did 1 Peter 2.24, the last part, by his stripes she is healed. And I would, the way that I would squeeze as much out of that as I could, I would, I would uh, um, each word, I would exaggerate it. What's the word I want? Emphasize it. Thank you. Uh, each word, I would emphasize it. So I would say, by his stripes, she is healed. By his stripes, she is healed. By his stripes, she is healed. And I just kept I did that with every word. And then I went, and then I said it a few times. Then I went back over, I went over to Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he saith. See, these are scriptures that I have spent time on. They're, I know them. But even though I know them, I had to do what I'm talking about because I can do that from my head. But it's different when you have, it's like it gets alive here and then you speak from that place. Jesus was talking about speaking from a place of abiding. So I, I did the same thing with Mark eleven twenty three, and I, I emphasized these word and I just spent time there then I went back to 1 Peter 2 24 I went back to Mark eleven twenty three. so I was really that's abiding and letting his word abide in us so after around I, di I didn't really write times down but somewhere after 15 or 20 minutes of just walking doing that then I felt like I'm in a different place now because I'm full of that and it's alive and it's fresh so I feel like I'm ready to use Mark eleven twenty three on this fever. I had to get myself in that place to do that. So I, I cursed the fever. I spoke to it. I commanded it off of my daughter in the name of Jesus. And so Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, when you, whoever says to a mountain, if you believe what you say will come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. And so I thought, you know what? I'm ready to do that. So I spoke. I believe what I said would come to pass. And, I, and so because I did that, it says you shall have that. I was settled on it. So then right after I did that, I just walked around praising God that it was so. Because when you pray and you believe you receive and you know it's so, then you actually, you'll praise God for the answer. So I was just worshiping and praising him that it was so. So long story short, somewhere between 20 and 25 minutes, the fever was gone. She was sleeping nicely in my arm and I put her in bed and thanked the Lord for all you parents. We had a night of sleep. You understand that. And um, so... That was an eye-opener for me. Now, I'm going to tell you, before, that was in 1993. I went to Bible school in 1981, two years, sat in class for two years. I traveled with Kenneth Hagen. He's up in heaven now. I traveled with him on the road for 10 years. I heard more messages, and I studied more than you could imagine on the subject of healing and faith, because that's what Kenneth Hagen preached, healing and faith. I heard all of that stuff. It's amazing, 10 years later in 1993, that's when I graduated from Bible school. This is when I actually had my eyes open on, I learned something. When I say it was eye-opening, I really learned something. I realized 
you can pray from your head out of knowledge or you can pray from your heart. This is a big thing. So these days that we're living in, and I believe the church is really good for all of us to get more fruitful in our prayers because it can move the plan and purposes of God forward. Uh, and, and it's the time that we get more skillful. So um, then let me just say this and then we'll get into something else. Six years later, we were still in Italy. Another one of our daughters, uh, I, I think it was, I don't know if it was the same or if it was Anna, but they, they, another daughter had a high fever. And I did the same thing. And here's why I want to tell you this, except this time it took six hours. So I don't want to mislead anyone and make you think that you should get everything done in 20 to 25 minutes because I had to fight for six hours for that fever to come down. And so please know that you fight as long as you need to fight. And don't say, well, Pastor Tony did it in 20 to 25 minutes. No, don't do that because I had another one that took six hours. I had some others that took days. So that's just one, you know, but that's where I learned. That story was where I learned, okay? So I'm going to assume, and here's like what I think about all of us, if you're a Christian, if you're here and you receive Jesus Christ and you've stayed with him, then he's abiding in you because you stayed with him and you're abiding in him. You, you haven't walked away from him. So I've been with him for 44 years or so. When I received him, even though I made my mistakes and I had to ask forgiveness throughout the years, I never wanted to walk away from him and I never did. And so I assume that we're all there. So Jesus gave these two qualifications. He said, abide in me and my words in you. I'm going to assume that we all are serious about our savior we have our hand to the plow. We picked up our cross and we're with him. So I want to spend time now for the rest of today. I want to spend time on his words abiding in us. Okay. So we're going to focus on three things about his words abiding in us. Number one, and I feel like this is so important. Be convinced God's word is absolute truth. Honestly, if a Christian doesn't, they're outside this church world, there's so many people that criticize the Bible and the things of God. But if a Christian doesn't believe that God's word is absolute truth, how difficult it would be to pray his word if we would not think it's absolute truth. So I study to rightly divide the word versus explaining it away because there's some that they want to explain the word away. It really doesn't mean that. But if you really believe and you're convinced that God's word is absolute truth, then we will take it at face value. That is number one for having your prayer life change because it's not praying from wondering if a scripture says something then you believe what it says. And then when you pray, you're not praying like from a place of wondering you know, I, I like to read scriptures even, like there's a lot of scriptures that talk about how God hears us. There's so many scriptures about that he hears us. Now, I, I read those scriptures because they help me. I mean, he's going to hear me, but it helps me to remind myself that he's hearing. He's listening. So, and then let me say this and then we'll look at a few scriptures, but this was such a big key for me in Sicily when I prayed because I was convinced back in 1993 that God's word was absolute truth. That 
that was like a foundational block that was laid in my life. And so I don't doubt God and I don't doubt his word. So like Psalm 119 and verse 89, here's some scriptures. It says, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed. Forever, it's firmly fixed. It, does, it never ends. He doesn't change. God changes not. Jesus Christ is same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm 119, 160, the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures for a short time. No, endures forever. Proverbs 35, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so that's just a few scriptures. Uh, and, and I am convinced 100% that his word is absolute truth. So because of that, I take it at face value. If it says, if Jesus says, if he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask and what you ask, I will, you will have it. I'm not going to explain that away because I believe his word is truth. So even if there's like somebody with like degrees and all kind of degrees, you know, after their name and they tell me that really doesn't mean that, I'll say, no, I'm sorry. Jesus said that and that's what it means. You see, because in order to pray, we have to believe his word. Why pray the word if we doubt it? Why pray to God if we doubt him? Why waste the time? Okay. So, let's look at the next one here. Number two, cross over to the all things are possible realm. And here, here's, I think this is really related. If we really believe that God's word is absolute truth, it's a lot easier to cross over into that realm that all things are possible. That's, and, and here's a scripture that I take this scripture at face value. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible with God. But no, does that say that? Look up there. Back. It says all things are possible for one who believes. So most Christians, they, they don't have a problem saying all things are possible with God. But where some people struggle is they have a hard time thinking, wait a minute, if I believe all things are possible for me. But that's what it says. See, I take that at face value. So if God promises something, I take that at face value. So that means if I pray, I believe what he promised and it changes me and it changes the way I pray. It, it, this is something I, I want, I'm just trying my best to explain it because I feel like it can help everyone personally in your personal life, but we can be more effective for the mission, for the kingdom of God. So here's a, a practical thing. The doctor tells you you have a certain sickness in your body, and doctors are trained for that, and we respect doctors, and we honor them. So that's the report they have because it was an x-ray, it was a blood test, whatever, however that report came, and so you hear that report. But then, that's the report they gave, but there's this attitude for people to cross over into all things are possible. There's this thing then that happens like, 
you, you can privately think. We don't need to challenge doctors and talk to them disrespectfully. But we walk away and we, I heard that report. But now I'm going to turn to the report of my Lord and Savior. I'm going to turn to my Bible where it says, by his stripes, I am healed. I'm going to turn to my Bible. All things are possible for one who believes. I'm going to go with that report. Remember that old song, whose report shall you believe? Remember that? That's an old one. Who's re I don't know if Caleb, if he likes that song, but you know, but he, uh, he was here for two services. So he, he slipped out, but uh, that's an old song. And you know, it's like a choice, like whose report Amen. The re, his report, the word, you know, so w that's our choice. Now, this also applies to prayers outside of our own personal lives, outside of our needs. So we all have needs and we have all these promises. But then I'd like to apply this. If I'm going to pray for the leaders in our government, I want to pray according to the word, but I want to pray with some fervency. Like I want, when I pray, I want to believe God is hearing that prayer and there's going to be results. So we're going to pray for the government here near the end and we're going to pray for some other things. But see, we can, this, this goes with any time we pray. So we can pray from a hurried place, like just give up, you know, like just, you know, like that. Now I want to say, because God is so merciful, I, I said, my brother Joe and I, we were baby Christians and we were going down, uh, it would be like the M1 here. We were going down in, in Ohio and it was snowing and there was like a semi truck behind us uh, and we hit ice in our van. We were in a van which can t tip over. We turned completely around and we're going backwards looking at the truck coming to us. And, and we were baby Christians and my, Joe, my brother Joe, he just said, help us, Jesus. And honestly, I was driving. The van just turned back around and we were, so I want to say that God is so good and merciful that if we're not perfect in everything we do, there's emergency times that we cry out and he helps us. So I don't want to leave that out. Okay. But then also there's this abiding where, you know, there, we, we decide, we choose whether or not we want to let his word abide in us. So here's, here's an, another thing we'll look into. Uh, number three, this is the last one. And it's uh, believe facts over feelings. And, and here's some scriptures. Uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then again in Weymouth, now faith is a well-grounded assurance of that which we hope for and a convic conviction of the reality of things which we do not see. I really like that one. So think about this. Faith is a well-grounded assurance of that which we hope. So where does our hope come from? It's kind of like this. I ran across the scripture that by his stripes, I am healed. First Peter 2.24. As soon as that scripture came to me, you know what it did? It created hope because it told me that by his stripes, I am healed. And so this is what this is saying is now uh, when it comes to healing, it's necessary to pray and obtain it. We want to obtain healing. But the hope comes when I hear the scripture. So what he's saying now, he said, faith is a well-grounded assurance of that which we hope for. In other words, there's a promise and faith 
it, it lets us know that we can possess that promise. Then it goes on further. It's a conviction of reality of things which we do not see. So if you have a report from the doctor and it says this, this, and this, then faith, and a, like you have a promise, faith comes. And what faith does, even though there's that bad report, faith will, uh, it, it will, well, let me just read it. It will become a conviction of reality of things that we don't see. In other words, you see yourself healed even before you are. That the word of God can do that. So, so like, let's take, you know, not that I can figure God out, so please understand. I th I'm just saying this, but uh, I, I know that no, none of us know everything about God. But if, if this is what the Lord is saying about us in our hearts, and like there's things that are in our hearts and we need to get them out and we do that with our mouth, isn't that correct? Then wouldn't you think that God had the universe in his heart? He had everything he wanted to create in his heart. So then it says that he spoke it into existence. So wouldn't it be, if the words of God abide in us, wouldn't it be like us speaking those things out? So, and of course it lines up with the word and it's his promise. So here's, you know, something that, uh, that God spoke everything into existence, the universe. So we could say that God had creation in his heart. It was crystal clear to him. He saw it. And at the time of his choosing, he spoke it into existence. Now, this, now this scripture, look, this scripture says this. Um, well, let me say this before. So let me say for us people here on the earth, it's by faith that we understand creation. We understand creation by faith. So that means that those who are not in Christ, those who are not Christians, those who are not in the word of God, they can come up with different theories about creation because they don't have faith to understand it. So they can have a lot of things after their name, professor, you know, and all these degrees. And then they'll say, the big bang theory is how the universe was created. And then they'll say, man evolved from apes. But somebody that knows God, this a Christian that has faith, we understand what, how it really happened. So in, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, it says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. And so you see, this is a faith thing, and God then for us who are Christians, he's allowing us to operate in a real supernatural way while we're on the earth. That's what he's really doing. He, when, he, when we receive him as Lord, we become alive. Our spirits are alive. We be, God is a spirit. We become a born-again, alive spirit. And he's allowing us to speak from that place. And so we can actually do the impossible, whatever his word says. God did that for us. To me, it's exciting. So we can say this, um, um, that real faith is firmly persuaded in God's word, regardless of the lack of physical evidence to support it or the existence of physical evidence that would contradict it. So, um, so that means like there was nothing. God had creation in his heart. There was nothing. He saw nothing. 
but then he spoke it out. It didn't matter what God saw because he had it in his heart. And of course, God doesn't doubt himself. He spoke it out. Now we have to deal with doubt. But what wasn't became. What didn't exist started to exist. So you could say about healing, if there's sickness, what you need is healing. What doesn't, ex the sickness exists, but the healing doesn't. So then we, Mark eleven twenty three. I spoke to the fever with my daughter. What didn't exist was healing, but I saw it in my heart. I saw that by his stripes, she was healed. I saw that if I speak to a mountain and believe what I say will come to pass, I shall have it. So I acted it and the fever left. See that, this is, this is how we pray. This is how we pray. Okay, now your senses, your senses are never gonna tell you that you have enough faith. Senses, your sight and feelings, they're never going to tell you you have enough faith. And not only that, your senses will tell you you don't have enough faith. Because like in Luke chapter 17 and verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. Why did they say that? Because they didn't think they had enough faith. So they said increase it. That's what our senses, our feelings and our, our emotions, our feelings, our, what we see, we'll always think we don't have enough. But you know something? You have enough. We have enough. There, we have enough. Okay, and so I say that, it, I'm not saying that we don't need to feed and abide, let the word abide in us, but we don't want to believe lies. Our senses, our head, our emotions, our feelings will always say, you don't qualify, you're this, you're, you're, you're lazy, you're a sinner, you're this, you're that, you don't qualify, but what the Bible says, if you're a Christian, I'm seated in, we're all seated in heavenly places in Christ. We're new creatures in Christ. We've been blessed, Ephesians, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, past tense. When you're born again, it says we all receive a measure of faith. It's up to us what we do with it. So, look at this then. Healing is true whether our physical symptoms improve or become worse. If our faith is based upon the improvement of our body, it reveals that we did not exercise faith. In other words, if something isn't changing and we say, oh, guess I don't know. You know, that, so what we have to go back. I've had failures. When I, I, I almost died three times, all three times it was my fault. But here's what I want to say and I trust it, it's inspiration to you. I never turned on God. I never blamed God. I never did that with God. I took, I said, it's my, it's me, my responsibility. I messed up and I man up. That's what I did. I just can't turn on God. I just cannot doubt God. His word is absolute truth. And so... So there's many people that are really mad at God out there because of a situation that happened. And, and all we can do, there's different kinds of prayers that we can pray for them, but they really need help. They interpreted God through a situation. The best place to interpret God is start in the word and find out who he is there, find out about the character of God, find out who he is in the word, find out that his word is absolute truth. 
then we interpret God from a different place. Okay. So here's what we talked about today. We, we said that uh, Jesus, and I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Jesus had every one of his prayers answered. Jesus told us we could also bear much prayer fruit. He told us to abide in him and allow his words to abide in us. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Jesus and God's words are our source of life. We have a choice as to what place we pray and the best place to pray from is a place of abiding. Accepting God's word as absolute truth is a critical component when we pray. Jesus said all things are possible to those who believe. Abiding in God's word will elevate us to a place where we are convinced all things are possible. Always believe Bible facts over feelings. So that's what we talked about today. I trust it helps you. Now, based on that, because I'm gonna, we're going to all lift our voices up now and we're going to pray for the government in Australia. And I'll pray for a couple other things. Uh, we'll, again, I'm going to keep praying for the Ukraine and what's going on over there and, and all. So let's first of all pray for the leadership of Australia. So Father, we thank you for this country, this beautiful piece of land that we're living on. Father, we thank you uh, for the progress over 200 plus years where Australia is today, Lord. And so, Father, we request, according to your word, you said the king's hand is in the heart of the Lord. Uh, that's meaning that you can influence leaders. So from the prime minister down to all the leaders in government, Father, we believe your word. We, it's absolute truth that their hearts are in your hand. And Father, we thank you that you can speak to them. You can give them wisdom. You can, you, you can cause them to change uh, decisions they made and reverse them. Father, you can do that by speaking to their hearts. So we lift all of them up to you, Lord. And we ask that you would speak to them for the good of Australia, the people here, and also for the good of the nation and also what Australia is in the world. Father, thank you for wisdom to the leaders of this country. We believe that you'll, we believe you hear us and we'll believe you'll answer us in Jesus' name. And then Father, again, we lift up the Christians both in Russia and the Ukraine. They're both uh, your people. So again, Father, we lift them up and we ask that you would supernaturally protect them, doing it all kinds of ways, uh, helping people get to them with food and water and supplies, giving them routes to escape. Uh, just, Father, we just thank you that Jesus, you're their wisdom. We thank you that you lead and guide them in the safety and you supernaturally protect them. We ask those things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.